Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast. This is the patriotic American citizen, Ted Flint, your host, and it's good to be along with you as we begin the second week of May. And, you know, I guess the, the, the big story still in most places, most parts of the country, more in some parts than others, is, is COVID and the battle against the coronavirus and how we're doing. And, you know, if you listen to the media and you watch TV, which you shouldn't do too much, uh, you'd think that we're not making any strides at all against this thing. But there's a piece in, I think this was in townhall.com, piece written by Matt Vespa. And he, he talks about Dr. Marty Makery of Johns Hopkins. And he's one of the lone medical professionals, this Makery, who is trying to bring some reason and logic to the pandemic. So he claimed that we would have herd immunity by the end of April. We've surpassed that, obviously. And he said COVID really from here on in, won't be a big deal. Now, I'm sure Fauci disagrees, and I'm sure some of the uh, the more liberal medical professionals disagree, but he just points out that we need to follow the science. Isn't, isn't that what the liberals tell us? Follow the science on this. And he has some raw data. About one in 600 Americans has died of COVID-19, which translates to a population fatality rate of about 0.15%. The COVID fatality rate about 0.23. By that count, he estimates, Dr. Macri, that about two-thirds of the country already had the virus. And the survival rate is 90%, 90-plus percent anyway. So with natural immunity, plus the vaccinations going past, I, I think, over 100 million adults have been vaccinated, I mean, we have to be at or near herd immunity. But his colleagues don't necessarily see it that way. I'm sure Fauci doesn't see it that way. But he's in this uh, Macri, Dr. Macri goes after the follow the science crowd when it comes to the vaccine. They have not followed the science. And I'll read you his quote. They are more paralyzed by fear with their contradictory and utterly useless COVID-19 protocols, especially when it comes to the vaccine. If you get vaccinated, why are we still in a state of panic? And we have to keep wearing our masks. Well, why? Well, because we're told now the variants, oh, those nasty variants, they're going to, you know, they're going to be uh, posing a threat. Well, the virus will mutate. A any virus does. The flu virus mutates. And COVID has mutated as well. But we need not panic because of the variants. But this doctor, again, he's from Johns Hopkins. He cites an unpublished Israeli study by the nation's Ministry of Health that showed just one dose of the Pfizer vaccine renders the subject virtually bulletproof from COVID after four weeks. But I know you see you experience this as well as I do. I mean, especially I work for the state and everybody down there is wearing masks. Of course, they, ha they have to. Cuomo is mandating mask wearing inside the, uh, the Capitol and, and other state office buildings. Everybody, most everybody down there has been vaccinated. State workers take no chances. I'm the only one who does. I have not been vaccinated. So there's a Wall Street Journal op-ed by this doctor, again, Dr. Marty Macri, and he must be really irritating Fauci and the Democrats and the liberal media and these, uh, these others, these technocrats who want to keep us in a constant state of fear. Kids are still, at our school, still playing uh, sports, outdoor sports, soccer and track. They have to run track in a mask. Now, that's insane. Why would you need to do that? All right, still along uh, the lines of health, there's a, there was a report in Newsmax Health this week, and I read it, I'm thinking to myself, people cannot be that stupid, but they are. 
I, I would think that everybody knows that you should stay out of the sun, especially between the hours of 10 and 2 or 10 and 3, especially this time of year, May, June, July. The sun is really, really close. There's a new survey that shows that one-third of Americans lack a basic understanding of sun safety and skin cancer. This uh, survey of a thousand adults from the American Academy of Dermatology shows 53% of respondents didn't realize that shade offers protection from the sun's ultraviolet rays. And 47% incorrectly said a base tan would prevent sunburns. Now, if you go out, if you, if you sit in the sun and you, and you get a tan, you're, you're exposing yourself to harmful rays. You can get skin cancer. 35% said tanning is safe as long as you don't burn where we're unsure. And 31% were unaware that tanning causes skin cancer. And these people vote. And they don't vote Republican, by the way. Uh, let's see. I'll spare you the quotes, but I couldn't believe it. And yet, as you might expect, the younger the people are, the, the more uh, ignorant they are on this. Of Gen Z respondents, 42% were unaware that tanning causes skin cancer. 41% didn't know that UV rays are reflected by snow, water, and sand. And 33% didn't realize they could get sunburned on a cloudy day. They're morons, basically. Among millennials, 42% unaware that the sun's UV rays can penetrate clothing. 37% didn't know that tanning causes skin cancer. 23% were unaware that sunburn increases skin cancer risk. I mean, obviously, between the hours of 10 and 2 or 10 and 3, you wear protective gear, protective clothing. On to NPR. Now, I listen to NPR on occasion just to get myself frustrated and angry. I listen to them, especially on weekends. But they are a network that really doesn't play it down the middle. Everything they talk about is, is geared to uh, the left-wing agenda. They talk continually about race relations, about climate change, uh, the inequality and uh, income inequality and inequity and all this other crap that nobody cares about. Nobody in my world, but I mean, they, they do not play it down the middle, and that's fine. You know, they're, they're catering to their listenership, and that's fine, as long as you don't do it on the public dole. And they're, they're getting all kinds of public money. I forget, hundreds of millions of dollars every year in U.S. taxpayer funding, plus they get millions from their listeners, which is fine. They can fundraise all they want. They can get all the money from these idiot liberals they want. I mean, when Trump was in office, they, every three months they were pitching, we got we to gotta, uh, gotta raise X amount of dollars or else our Republican, they never say Republic, our democracy is in, is in peril. So they're celebrating their 50th anniversary this week, and they were uh, putting out a fundraiser earlier that said, quote, from covering the Vietnam War in 1971 to the COVID-19 vaccination effort today and everything in between, NPR has delivered fact-based news and trustworthy analysis to millions. Well, that's a matter of opinion, how fact-based it is. I mean, I listen to them, like I say, frequently, and I, they have this one reporter, Nina Totenberg, a founding mother, as somebody put it. She tried to ruin Douglas Ginsburg's Supreme Court nomination. She was successful in that effort, as, as was NPR. Then she tried to take down Clarence Thomas's nomination. She proved unsuccessful in that effort. And then she did this, as the one writer put it here in World Net Daily, a syrupy sister act with feminist Justice Ginsburg hosting RBG celebrations at award shows and film festivals. That's not playing it down the middle. Trustworthy analysis. So NPR dismisses the, the pre-election story about Hunter Biden's alleged laptop, as they put it, as an example of pure distractions. And then they had to issue a correction 
to a January puff piece that had insisted the laptop story was discredited by U.S. intelligence and independent investigations by news organizations. Now, I don't know about you, but NPR is, I look at it as a medium or a forum for liberals, and I I object to my tax dollars going to the propaganda, to fund propaganda. Now, if you're a liberal, you love it dearly. So on May 2nd, CBS Sunday morning, and CBS is right in bed with with NPR, they did a piece, an eight-minute segment that was more like a commercial selling NPR's view of itself. Every single person interviewed on camera was a current or former NPR employee. Was that mentioned in the piece? No. So Jane Pauley at the end says, by the way, the producer of this report, Sunday morning's Jay Kernis, was himself a pioneering NPR staffer. The reporter on this story was Faith Sally, who announced in the middle that she's been a regular panelist on this liberal uh, NPR game show, like a current events type of quiz show. It's called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Bill Curtis, by the way, a famous uh, broadcaster. I think he was with CBS for years, but I've always liked Bill Curtis until I listened to him and his input on this stupid talk show on Saturdays. Twelve years this has aired. But, you know, what about this conflict of interest? It it doesn't occur to CBS, maybe this is a conflict, you doing a a puff piece on NPR. Anyway, nobody probably even has heard of Bill Curtis or NPR. I think we should cut out all federal funding to NPR. As Donald Trump mentioned, he was going to try to do during his campaign, but it it didn't happen. I'm going to read you something from the the World Net Daily piece. So the only critical note from the CBS piece came when NPR TV critic Eric Deggins was asked whether black Americans listened to NPR. He said, no, I don't. I don't think black folks listen to us. We have a highly developed sense of when our culture is included in programming. NPR is not that. We're told NPR's audience is 81% white. Well, that's not hard to understand. But the organization is trying to fix this. they're, they're, They're doing podcasts such as Code Switch, which just touted a story of two friends in Vermont who asked white people to give their money directly to their black neighbors kind of a local, <laughs> hyper-local reparations program of sorts. This is only in Vermont, maybe in New York, too, in California. Vermont, I don't know what's going on out there. I mean, I shop in Vermont frequently because we live about 20 minutes from the Vermont border, and some of these people, there they are some serious granola crunchers out there. I mean, they're, they're nuts, but they, they're a pro-gun state, so go figure. Anyway, the hosts confessed that they're obsessed with reparations. Sweet delicious reparations, as they put it, again in this podcast, Code Switch. Why are white liberals so obsessed with race? I I think it's to assuage their own guilty racist feelings. That's my view on it. But, you know, somebody, the writer of this piece said, look, I would like to ask for a refund. I've been paying taxes for more than 40 years, and I would like my involuntary donations to NPR returned to me. If CBS can serve up one-sided stories on its own dime, that's one thing, but NPR is taking my dimes and either excluding or eviscerating my conservative point of view. I agree totally. I've been paying taxes nearly, well, probably 40 years. I don't like the fact that some of my tax dollars go to NPR to fund st- stances that I don't approve of. I mean, it's, it's my money. I should get to decide if I want to donate to NPR of my own volition. That's one thing. But having your money forcibly taken to you to fund NPR so they can ram this liberal crap down our throats or our ears, as it were. Anyway, speaking of liberals, there we have this little issue here locally in Cambridge called uh, Save the Mascot. We have the Cambridge Indians mascot. It's 
the Indians football team has uh, had its mascot as the Indians for decades. And these liberals, white liberals, want to trash it. They want to ban it because they don't approve. They think it's offensive. To them, it's offensive, but not to people of color. We have Indians uh, who live right here, Native Americans, I should say, right in Cambridge. They want to keep the mascot. And, uh, but the cancel culture warriors here locally, they're, they're hell-bent on discarding a very important part of our area's heritage. So we have to now pay for, I say we, district taxpayers, we're already footing the bill for all these new school buses that, that transport like five students a day. Now we've got to pay for a mediator. But what is there to mediate? The issue should be decided, I think, directly by district residents via referendum, much like the way in which school budgets are decided. But what do these mascot banners fear by putting the issue to a vote? I'll tell you what they're afraid of. They're afraid of getting a result different from the one they seek. And now my daughter tells me that uh, these young BLM types are going around, they're trespassing on other people's property, stealing the Save the Mascot signs, and then collecting them and having a big burn. they're, They're so worried about offending the sensibilities of people of color. I got a new term for them. How about private property rights matter? I mean, you trespass, especially in these parts, that could prove fatal. But this is how these types of people deal with this type of a dispute. They don't want a free exchange of ideas, especially the ideas of those with whom they disagree. I mean, reasonable people should be able to reasonably disagree, but these mascot banners are either unable or unwilling to use reason. It's unbelievable. Hey, if you're thinking of starting a podcast, we have, by the way, we have several great podcasts on our website for you to listen to. Uh, go to the bmgnetwork.com and check out the Ken and Mike show, the Ken Burns show, Miked Up with Mike Hansen, and Set Apart with Kristen Coons. And this podcast, the Pac-Man podcast. There is no better time than right now to start a podcast, too. If you've been thinking about it but just haven't gotten started, try Buzzsprout. It's the easiest and best way to launch a podcast. Buzzsprout will get your show listed in every major podcast platform. You will get a great-looking podcast website, audio players you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and so much more. So why not join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world? All you have to do is follow the link in this show's notes and get started today. Plus, if you sign up for a paid plan, Buzzsprout will give you a $20 Amazon gift card. Again, follow the link in this show's notes so that Buzzsprout knows that I, Ted Flint, the patriotic American citizen, sent you. Buzzsprout, the easiest way to launch a podcast. The BMG Network. If you want to contact me directly, it's pacman at the bmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. Thanks for listening, and if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.